Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, Parlor, and Instagram. And of course, be sure to visit www.mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. My parents didn't teach me that I was a victim. They can turn back voting rights. Didn't nobody donate to us the right to vote? Do your house, nigga. I didn't call you a nigga. Oh, okay. That's that's a big difference. Right. Your Uncle Tom. And Uncle Tom is somebody who has sold out by embracing the white man. Uncle Tom. Bedwench. Bootlicker. Black white supremacist. Chucking and jiving. House Negro. Coon. Uncle Tom. Coon. Coon. I have a Coon Award over there. Coon of the Year Award. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Pekovich, and this is episode number 277. Out now on DVD and on demand is Uncle Tom, a documentary that chronicles the history, the present, and the future of the black conservative in America, as well as the issues of race and identity politics that has gripped the United States. An incredibly insightful and important documentary, Uncle Tom is a film that must be watched, especially in these divisive times. Joining me now is the writer and producer of Uncle Tom, Mr. Larry Elder. Mr. Elder, thank you very much for joining me today. Matthew, thank you so much for having me. Just one small correction. I am the co-writer. There were three of us who wrote the film together. I don't want to slight anybody. Of course not, sir. Um, Uncle Tom, this is the, actually the first film you've been a part of since Michael and me back in 2005. Um, why did you feel that now was the right time to get back into the medium of filmmaking? Well, the timing could not have been uh, been better given what's going on right now. After the deaths of George Floyd uh, and Rayshard Brooks, uh, as you know, a lot of people have taken to the streets and are arguing that the police are engaging in uh, racial brutality against black people. Uh, so it's an ideal time for us to have a conversation about what's really going on. I can't, I can't say, Matthew, that I predicted it. I mean, we started the movie two years ago, mm-hmm. and it started because the young director named Justin Malone came to me and told me about the project he had called Uncle Tom. He wanted to explore the phenomenon, not just about the uh, percentage, small percentage of black people who are not uh, not Democrats, but the grief that these black people get for not being Democrats. He was just blown away by the fact that some of the people Matthew included in my movie, like Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams, Candace Owens, uh, uh, Brandon Tatum, uh, Herman Cain, uh, Alan West, and others, uh, are, are just blasted as opposed to, okay, you have some intelligent people who have a well-thought-out theory, which I don't I don't agree with, but let's have an intelligent conversation about that. Instead, people like myself and the people included in the film, Matthew, are maligned as self-loathers, uh, as coons, and as Uncle Toms. And therefore, conversation is simply shut down. We're not having a conversation about illegal immigration. One party, the Democratic Party, is a party, in my opinion, of porous borders. There is a prominent... Uh, economist at Harvard named George Borjas, who's done probably more work on the impact of legal and illegal immigration than any other economist in the country. And he said there's no question that unskilled illegal aliens uh, pose competition for jobs that would otherwise be held by unskilled black and brown people living in the country, and they put downward pressure on their wages. Uh, Yet you have one party that wants uh, open borders, or at least wants a um, pathway to citizenship for the Uh, so-called 11 uh, or so uh, uh, million uh, illegal aliens who are in the country, and one party wants to do something about that. We're not having a conversation about choice in schools. 
One party, the Democratic Party, is wedded to the teachers' union. I went to a public school where right now only 3% of the kids can do math at grade level. It wasn't that way when I was there, but right now only 3% of the kids can do math at grade level. And it's a school that is controlled by a gang called the Crips. Now, what responsible parent sends their kid to a high school where only 3% of the kids can do math at grade level and the high school is run by the Crips? The answer is nobody would. Well, the Republican Party wants to give that urban parent an option to send their kid to a different school. The Democratic Party is saying, hell no, you're going there no matter what. Yeah. Now, why can't we have a discussion about this? And when I and other black conservatives raise these kind of issues, we're called Uncle Toms. And as a result, a discussion is not taking place. The term Uncle Tom, it's an incredibly derogatory term, um, but it also stands out as a movie title. Um, it's really direct, grabs your attention. Was it always the intent to name the documentary that? Or was that something that kind of just kind of formulated itself over the process of making the film? No, there was always the intent to call it the Uncle Tom, precisely because it is a derogatory term that is used against people like myself and the others who are included in the film. Uh, but also, it is a term that really is a misnomer. If you read the novel, uh, uh, Uncle Tom's Cabin, written by, written, written by Harriet Beecher Stowe before the Civil War, you will find that the character, Uncle Tom, was actually a hero. He was a God-fearing man who duped his masters into believing that he was a sellout, when in fact he was helping uh, to free uh, black slaves and refused to tell where a runaway black slave went, which caused him to be killed. The real uh, villain in the movie is a character named Sambo. But what it shows you is that most people who've used that term have never read the novel, otherwise they wouldn't use that term. Mm. But it's kind of pointless because the term has become uh, a term to, to show people who have point of views that are designed to hurt their own people. That's how the term has been, has been uh, now uh, characterized. That's what it's become. And that's why we call this film Uncle Tom. Was it always the intent to present the film in black and white? It was. Uh, Justin Malone, uh, the director, uh, interviewed me early on in the process. And then when I saw what he did with the, with the black and white stuff, I thought it was amazing. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was uh, a cinematic. And my problem with most documentaries is that they are boring. They are dull. Mm -hmm. They're giving you information after information. You don't have a, a chase scene. There's no sex. There's no violence. So it's very difficult to make a, a documentary entertaining. Uh, and one of the things that I thought was compelling about this, this uh, film is the way it was filmed in the black and white. The film features a number of notable black conservative voices from Candace Owens to Walter Williams and, of course, yourself. Um, but what's really cool about the film, it also features a lot of unknown everyday people as well, such as Chad. Um, he's this young contractor and also a conservative. He has an incredible story to share. He, in many ways, is the face of the movie. I've seen him in a lot of the key art and the posters. How did you find Chad and all these other unknown voices as well who appear in this documentary? Well, Matthew, first of all, let me tell you how much I appreciate the fact that you've seen the movie uh, and you get it. Uh, and you're quite right. Chad really is the moral backbone of the film. It opens with Chad. Uh, Chad is featured throughout the film, and it ends with Chad. And the reason Chad was chosen is because uh, a, a mutual friend of the director uh, knew Chad and said, this is a guy who's relatable, he's down to earth, he's not a politician, he's not a public figure, but he's just kind of every man, hardworking kind of guy who just kind of thought things through and realized that he was in the wrong party and the crap that he got as a result of switching from the Democrat Party to the Republican Party. So we, we filmed him and um, he's just a sweet guy. And as you know, uh, he was a lifelong Democrat, a Christian, and a fellow Christian came to him uh, because Chad was saying derogatory things about uh, Republicans and said, if you read the party platforms of the Democratic Party platform and the Republican Party platform, he said, no. So he read them both. And after he finished reading them both, Matthew, he said, I'm a Republican. 
And it's about the grief that he got as a result of it. We haven't even put some of the stuff uh, in the film, the conversation he had with his mother, who was very disappointed in him and considered him to be part of the problem. That because he was bringing problems forth, like the large percentage of blacks who were born uh, outside of wedlock, which is a, a contributing factor to crime uh, and to dropouts, uh, his mother said, you're part of the problem, his own mother. And so when your own mother believes that once you start uh, uh, thinking of yourself as an individual, not as a oppressed class, your own mother gives you grief. Imagine what friends and families and other people did uh, to people like that. And again, this is the kind of stuff that all of us have endured our whole careers. Uh, a number of people in the movie, such as Chad and, and, and ever, uh, other people around his age range, they talked about how when they were growing up, they didn't hear about yourself. They didn't hear about Thomas Sowell, Walter Williams. It seems to me, though, that like the next generation, today's generation, and maybe even one before it, um, will know more about who is available who is out there to listen to because of social media i think social media has really allowed a lot of voices to, uh, to, to present themselves and they can be easily found as well um do you think this next generation because of social media won't have the problems to find black conservative voices that people like chad and, and like lovers like him had beforehand i think you're right uh, certainly uh, information is more accessible uh, than ever but if you get most of your information from uh, New York Times, uh, Yahoo News, uh, the Wall Street, uh, the Washington Post, uh, CNN, MSNB, hee-haw, that's what I call it, 90% of Americans get their primary source of news from a publication that is that is to the left. Yeah. Only 10% get their primary news from publication to the right. Uh, and the fact is that the publication to the left way, way, way outnumber those to the right. So if you're... Uh, in a certain kind of social setting, have a certain kind of friends, a certain kind of mentality, the likelihood is that even though these, uh, these uh, uh, sources are available, you're not going to know about them. For example, one of the most prominent uh, publications uh, for blacks is a magazine called Ebony. Yes. It doesn't have the same clout that it used to have, but at one time it was the magazine. Every black home had it on the coffee table. And every year they had a feature called the 100 Most Influential Black Americans. And every year there are three prominent black Americans who are never in there. They are a, a Justice Clarence Thomas, for crying out loud. This is one of nine people who is a member of the U.S. Supreme Court. And Ebony Magazine does not include him in the, in the magazine as one of the 100 Most Influential Americans. Thomas Sowell. Thomas Sowell, the economist who's prominently featured in, in, my, in my, uh, my book, my movie. He's written 57 books. Uh, David Mamet, the playwright, referred to Thomas Sowell as America's greatest contemporary philosopher, and yet he's never included in Ebony. Uh, Walter Williams. Walter, to my knowledge, is the only black man to chair an economics department of a non-black uh, historically college or university. Yet most black people don't even know who he is, primarily because he's completely shut out of the black media. He's shut out of the black social media as well. You won't find uh, those kinds of people mentioned in Griot, which is a black publication that's really owned by the Washington Post. You won't find these gentlemen uh, mentioned on many of the other social media outlets. So even though the information is accessible, you still have to be motivated and be aware of it to find it. The film Uncle Tom also presents a really kind of fascinating portrait of African-American history relating to politics. Um, something that really blew my mind that was in your movie was that um, the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 1965 Voting Rights Act, while they were done under Democrat presidents, it was Repub um, Republican majority Senates that really pushed those bills through. And um, I, I, I didn't know this. I think I was just being ignorant to, to just the, the narrative being put out there, what a Republican is and what a Democrat is. Um, I mean, to me, it was a surprise because, of course, I'm a 
white man of Croatian descent here in Australia. Um, but I was really surprised to find that a lot of people in your movie, a lot of the subjects in your film, Chad, etc., didn't know this as well. What does that really say about the uh, education system over in the States that something as significant as that, especially in a country that's ruled by a two-party system, that they don't even know that clear fact? Well, it, it's, a, it's a damning indictment, in my opinion, of our educational system K-12. through Look, uh, many black people are completely unaware that the Democratic Party, one of the founding principles of the Democratic Party, was to preserve slavery. And they're unaware that the founding principle of the Republican Party was to stop the spread of slavery and eventually to end it. The first successful national Republican candidate was a fellow named Abraham Lincoln. Uh, and you're right. The Democrat Party opposed the 13th Amendment that freed the slaves unanimously. They opposed the 14th Amendment that gave slaves uh, citizenship, opposed that unanimously. They opposed the uh, 15th Amendment that, at least on paper, gave slaves the right to vote. They opposed that unanimously. Democrats founded the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan. Not the Democratic Party, not officially, but Democrats founded the KKK, which at one time was known as the terror wing of the Democrat Party. And as a percentage of the party, more Republicans in 1964 voted for the Civil Rights Act in the House and the Senate uh, than did Democrats. And what the Democrat Party has put out in order to defend itself is this lie that in the mid-60s, all of a sudden, the party switched. The racist Democrats left that party and became Republicans, uh, and that's what happened. Well, the fact is, if you look at all the Democrats who voted against the Civil Rights Act of 64 in the Senate and in the House and ask yourself, well, if that was the defining factor that caused a bunch of Democrats to leave the, the uh, Democrat Party, then how many of them left? Well, uh, in the Senate, of all the, the uh, Democrat senators who voted against the Civil Rights Act, one left, Strom Thurmond. In the House, one left, whose name I can't even remember. And the rest of them were born Democrats, raised Democrats, and died a Democrat. Al Gore's father was was one of those who helped to lead the longest filibuster in the history of the Senate to prevent the bill from even coming on the floor for a vote. He died a Democrat. And the first Republican to win uh, a Senate seat in Tennessee, a southern state, since Reconstruction was a man named Howard Baker, who was pro-integration. So it is a lie that all the racist Democrats left the Democratic Party in the mid-60s and went over to the Republican Party. It is true that the South became increasingly more Republican, but that took place for 30 years over a course of 30 years for the same reason everybody else becomes Republican. The Democrat became more left-wing, more pro-tax, more pro-abortion, uh, more uh, porous borders, uh, more anti-military, uh, more anti-religion, uh, and that, that became increasingly unpalatable to people in the South. But that transition took 30 years. It is a lie that all of a sudden, in one fell swoop, all the racists left the Democratic Party and became racist in the Republican Party. It is a damn lie that the left has been putting out, and a lot of people believe it. Religion particularly Christianity, played a really big part in the, the civil rights movie, movement of the 1960s. Um, of course, over the decades, religion has the influence of religion, especially the church has waned, um, less people in the pews, more people um, showing themselves, um, advocating themselves to be atheists, etc., etc. I have a theory about this, is that once religion is put out of the public square, there's a void. And that void, I think, has been filled with pop culture. All of a sudden, people are looking to celebrities, athletes, etc., as kind of like, almost like in a, kind of like in a theological sense that like they they represent a new word. Uh, for example, how much of that sphere, pop culture, and the reverence that's given has 
influenced a lot of what people think now um, in regards to, for example, what we just talked about in who is a Republican, who is a Democrat. How much of it is propaganda? How much do you think of it is willfully done as propaganda? Well, let me answer your question this way. Uh, the number one problem facing the black community uh, is not the lack of religion, although that is a problem. The lack of embrace of God, although that is a problem. That is a function of the breakdown of the nuclear family. When you had mother and father in the house, you were far more likely to have children who were raised in the church. Right now, 70% of black kids are raised without fathers. In 1965, that number was 25%. So it's gone from 25% to 70% now. And I don't think anybody would suggest that, the, that America is more racist now than it was back in 1965. So what's happened? What's happened is Lyndon Johnson, the Democrat president, launched what's called the War on Poverty. Uh, and began paying all sorts of money to women, provided there was no man in the house. And what they've done, in my opinion, is they've incentivized women to marry the government, and they've allowed men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. And forget about elder, Barack Obama once said, a kid raised without a father is five times more likely to be poor and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. But we're not even having a conversation about whether or not the welfare state has caused the breakdown. In fact, the, the more precise term would be the non-formation of the black family. And it's not just the black family. Uh, in 1965, as I mentioned, 25% of black kids were born outside of wedlock, which caused a guy named Daniel Patrick Moynihan, who later on became a Democratic senator to New York, to write a booklet called The Negro Family, A Case for National Action. And he was talking about how horrific that number 25% is. Well, 25% of white kids now today are born outside of wedlock, and almost 50% of Hispanic kids are. It is the number one social problem facing America, and we're not even having a discussion about that. We're not having a discussion about that on the left because it would cause them to look in the mirror and go, my goodness, all these social programs have made things worse. And on the right, it would require them to have the courage to stand up uh, and, and talk about a welfare state and have a conversation that makes everybody uncomfortable. Um, to me, Candace Owens is a really fascinating person. Um, I've been following her on, on uh, social media for a while now. Her story is really interesting. Her approach to things is just the right type of type of confrontational kind of like polit uh, activism that you need. Um, what's really fascinating, though, is this whole kind of Blexit movement, movement that she has going on right now. Uh, that's really kind of um, having people, you know, look at the different platforms in front of them and make a choice. It's not about what culture you grew up in is about the, skin, it's the color of your skin it's about what you can think of with your mind what's in your mind what's in your heart and a lot of people who are taking this to heart they're moving over to different side of politics they could even be independent the whole point is you make up the mind of who you who you are um when you see that um does that give you hope in regards to the future of um uh, the african-american conservatism um in the united states Indeed it does, uh, and the fact that she was able to convince Kanye West to make some positive statements as well. Within a matter of weeks after Kanye West made some positive statements about Donald Trump, there, we, there began to be some shift in the black community, especially among men. Uh, I absolutely believe that because of Candace Owens, who in my opinion is a force of nature, she's smart, she's wickedly smart, she's witty, she's courageous, she's attractive, she's charismatic, she's got it all, and she's young. She's gonna be around for a long time. Uh, and I'm very, very proud that she considers me to be uh, to be somewhat, something of a mentor for her. By the way, I've got a lot of mentors around here. 
One of President Trump's top aides is a guy named Stephen Miller. I first put Stephen Miller on my radio show when he was a teenager out here in Los Angeles when he was a student at Santa Monica High over some issue. And over the years, we've had him on, the, on my radio show for maybe 70 times. And we followed his career when he became a, uh, an aide to Senator Jeff Sessions, he became an aide to Donald Trump, and now is, is one of his senior aides and is one of his principal speechwriters. Uh, also, the guy that is the managing editor of Breitbart is a guy named Alex Harlow. I gave him his first job in the field uh, as an intern for one of my books. Uh, uh, ben Shapiro and Andrew Breitbart have both publicly accredited me with inspiring them to go, to, go into this field. Uh, Michelle Malkin, uh, I was the first one to give her a, a spot on radio as a guest. She had never been on radio or TV before until she came on my radio show. Uh, so I've got my fingerprints all over this country. Uh, Michelle Malkin, uh, Stephen Miller, uh, Ben Shapiro, uh, Andrew Breitbart, Alex Marlowe, uh, and uh, Candace Owens. Uh, and I've got uh, more to go. Some of the young people in the in the documentary, uh, like Brandon Tatum, also said that I've inspired him. So I am quite happy that I've been able to inspire a number of people the way people like Walter Williams and Thomas So inspired me. Well, I think a lot of people will be inspired after watching Uncle Tom, and people can find this at www.uncletom.com. You know, um, Mr. Elder, after I watched our screen, I actually bought a copy for myself. Uh, so I can have it personally and I recommend everyone out there to do it as well I'm all the way on the other side of the world in Australia and I got a copy and I can watch it how great thing technology is um, so for everyone out there please watch this movie it's at www.uncletom.com gives you all the options you can get it on DVD you can get it um, uh, on demand you can get both um, and I really recommend people to watch this film I think it's really essential viewing um, during this um, day and age and Mr. Larry Elder I do thank you very much for your time today um, thank you for fighting the good fight and thank you for this documentary it was just absolutely fascinating and I loved it Matthew it was my pleasure thank you so much for having me